you're listening to the Beautiful Life Podcast, where we believe this is no ordinary life, and every day an opportunity to discover more of God's heart, pursue His manifest presence, and make a difference by no ordinary means. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Debbie Desmond. For more information and other resources, visit www.noordinarylife.co.za. So um, today, Nigel and I are actually tag-teaming. Um, I'm going to start and he's going to finish off. So I want us to go to Song of Solomon 2, verse 10. So this is um, the word, um, part, part of the word that God gave us was this scripture for this year. And so I just want to read it. It says, my lover spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come, the cooing of doves. Is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. That was the scripture, but I want to read this morning just a little bit further. Um, so, verse 14 My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And I want us to focus, well actually both verses, I was going to say verse 15, but while I was reading it, just verse 14 stood out to me again. It says, um, here, his, his love was in the hiding places, in the mountains. And then it says, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And for me, that means it speaks of connection. And we're speaking about connection today. What we're speaking about is how to be loved. Some of us need to learn how to be loved. Some of us are not loved well. We, we don't, um, let me say, we all loved well, but some of us don't receive that love very well. So that's what we're looking at. So, verse 15. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. So apparently in that time, there were foxes that used to go through the vineyard and they used to eat the little buds, the little flowers. So can you imagine if the flower was eaten, there would be no fruit, right? So when it was just blooming, if this flower was eaten, if that little bud before even the flower was coming, it was just shooting out. If the fox ate that off, there would be no fruit, right? So what this is speaking over here is... And I'm going to liken it to, should I wait? Everyone's attention is over there. Okay, that's good. So, <clears throat> what, we, what I believe the Lord is saying here is God's love is a never-ending stream. 
God's love is constantly flowing to each one of us. It's constantly. And God's love wants to bear fruit in our lives. But sometimes there are things that hinder us receiving God's love. And here he's saying, catch for me the little foxes that go and spoil the vine, spoil the fruit. And so today the question to you is, what can you catch your, your foxes, the foxes in your life that are hindering you from receiving the love of God in your life so that it blossoms and bears fruit? So that's the question that we want you to be asking throughout this time when we're talking. <clears throat> so I'm going to just do, I'm just going to share two. I have many, but hey, I'm going to share two of the foxes that I've had to catch in my life. So the first one that I found is stopping to make time to be loved. Do you make time in your life to be loved. I'm going to give you an example of this in my relationship with Nigel. So, you know, I mean, my husband, I think, is the greatest lover in the world. Honestly, he is amazing. I I don't know that anyone could love me better. That's my testimony of this husband of mine, okay? He is constantly showering me with his love. So, but me, I'm like, I am a a very, like, I've got a goal, I've got a purpose, that's where I'm going, and I'm I'm focused on that, and and I'm I'm, I'm moving forward. And so while I'm on my goal, and I'm, I'm busy achieving my goal, I have this person that comes and wants to say, you know, I just want to tell you how much I love you, and, and, and while I'm doing that, I'm like, yeah, 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 thank you, yeah, yeah. but I, I don't stop, you know, I only remember, I can still definitely remember this one time where the Lord was starting to reveal this to me, that I wasn't stopping to be loved, because what happened is, you know, I mean, my husband tells me several times during the day that he loves me, constantly. And I used to get to the end of my day, and I, then I used to go and ask him, like, do you love me? And he's like, like, what on earth? You know, like, have you not heard me the whole day? Because we work together, you know, so he has all the opportunity. So, um, you know, I realized, like, you know, I, I, I did, as those moments, think, like, okay, you know, I did hear you. I did hear you. So why am I feeling like this? Because I realized I didn't take the time to stop and receive it. It just flowed over me. I can remember specifically this one time I was cooking. And then I had supper to prepare. The kids were going to be going to bed soon. I was cooking. And he comes. He puts his arms around me. And he starts giving me a kiss and saying how much he loves me. And I was like, not now. Okay, can't you see? I'm cooking. Not now. You know, I'm cooking away. Anyway, needless to say, we had many situations like that, and eventually we came to this agreement that, you know, there are obviously were some times where it was not appropriate and I needed to actually be focused because it was, you know, a very, very intense, you know, life or death moment. <laughs> it never is one of those moments. But anyway, we came to this agreement that whatever I was doing, I would stop for at least a moment 
put aside what I was doing and take a moment to be loved by my husband. And that's what we did. So I realized that I realized that I do that with God. I'm not going along my day. I don't know if you've ever and you know, sometimes you you've just you just sense just a, his presence a little bit. Sometimes maybe not, but do you take the time to stop in your day and to receive God's love wherever you are? Whatever you just a moment, you don't, you know, for my husband to come up and give me a hug and tell me that he loves me, it doesn't take that long, but will I stop? Because otherwise, what happens is um, we get to the end of our day, end of the situation, and we feel insecure with our relationship with the Lord. You know, and I believe it's, it's the root of much insecurity and disconnection in the body of Christ, in the world, because we haven't taken the time to receive God's love because it's a never-ending flow to you. God is constantly speaking his love over you. That's why I like this, this um, song of song where he said, come, come away with me. Come, come. Just take a moment aside of what you're doing and be loved by the Lord. Because um, like we, we were saying in Ephesians, we read in Ephesians 3 where it says about um, uh, the Apostle Paul praying that you be rooted and grounded in his love. So we need to allow God time to communicate his love to us in its depths and in the depths of our being so that we can be rooted and anchored in his love all the time. That we're assured of it. And when we're assured of it, we have a firm foundation, like we've been speaking over the last weeks, that we can actually go and love others and be the fount of love because we feel so full. We've got overflow. Amen? And Ephesians um, 3, it actually says that you would have the power to grasp how great that love is, the love that surpasses knowing, and it speaks that word know is about experiencing. Look at all my all the way through my day. I knew that Nigel loved me in here, but was I taking the moment to experience it, to encounter it, to know it in my experience? That's that's a big deal for God because He doesn't actually want you just to know it in your head. He wants you to, and He wants you to experience it, to 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 know it inside of you. Amen. Amen. My second thing. My second thing that one, my second fox, should I say, that I had to, you know, um, go on a hunt for, is um, I, I can remember this one particular time, and I, I constantly have to make sure that no, uh, no more of these foxes come in. I can just remember this one particular time. Um, you know, I, God, told me that He loved me. My husband was telling me that He loved me, and I was like, I, I'm sure especially women have asked, but why? Why do you love me? <laughs> why do you love me? Because sometimes you can't, you, you, like, like I, I'm trying to think, well, why does this person love me? Because I don't feel very lovable right now, you know? Um, I realized that I, what, what I could, basically I realized that I was not able to receive my husband's love or God's love unless I felt it in my feelings 
or I had performed in my head, I had figured I had performed well enough. <laughs> I had done something really amazing that my husband, like, I was thinking like, well, for, let's say for my husband, I'm saying like, well, why do you love me? Like, what have I done for you? What's so amazing about me that you love me? Like, I was looking at myself. What have I done? You know, what am I that, that you love me? And, I, and unless I could find something to justify his love or justify God's love, I couldn't receive it. Have any of you been there? I couldn't receive it. So, so I was going around and I was like really battling this, this for weeks. And um, I eventually said to him, like, you know, because I don't know, I often find the thing that I battle with, with my husband, I'm battling with God at the same time. It's, you know, because it's receiving love. It's the same thing. It's just... And, and, and I suppose anyone else that was trying to love me got the, would have got the same treatment. So I went to him, I'm speaking to him, and he said to me, Debbie, why can't you just accept it? Why can't you just say, like, irrespective of what you're feeling or um, about yourself, why can't you just say, Nigel loves me and just receive it? Just accept it and receive it. Why can't you just do that? And I thought, well, I suppose I could. And, I, you know, I've toyed with that, you know, and I grappled with it, and I fought with myself. And then at one point, I just thought, you know what? If he loves me, I don't know why he loves me. I don't necessarily feel I should be, I'm just, I don't see any reason why he should love me. And that amounts to the love that he's pouring out on me. But you know what? I'm just going to. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to receive it. So I made a point. It was a very conscious point because, I mean, I had spent lots of time banging this. I, I, there was always like this court case with the weights in my head of, you know, uh, mm, do, you, do you feel like you're lovable? Uh, yes. Ah, love. You know, I don't feel lovable. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, so this was the wait. And then that one day I just said, okay, I'm just going to receive it because uh, who, why must I be the one to say whether you can love me or not? Like, who am I? You love me? I'm just going to receive it. And I decided, okay, I'm going to do that for Nigel. I'm going to do that for God. I'm just going to do it. But it, there was still um, the moment when he said it to me that I could feel the previous resistance of like all those arguments coming and I just said no I don't know why you love me but I'm taking it I'm receiving it and I did that for God within a week two weeks I was feeling loved irrespective I was just I was just like I can feel loved again whereas beforehand I wasn't feeling loved because I was stopping it from getting through to me you understand what I'm saying so this was another one of the foxes um, in John 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus speaking, so have I loved you. Man, I just always just read, I, I read that verse again and again and marvel at the fact that, that Jesus loves me as much as the Father loves him. I mean, that is astounding. Come on. Just to, I mean, that needs some meditation. Um, so, and then it says, and then I love this. It says, now remain in my love. Remain in my love. That is a challenge to us on a practical level. We'll say, yeah, you know, you read it. But are you? Are you catching the foxes? Are you making sure 
that you are consciously remaining in God's love, whether you feel like it, whether not based on your reasoning or whether you deserve it or not, on the season you're in. Because, you know, I'm an, if I'm an apple tree, right? I'm an apple tree when I'm flowering apple blossoms and when I'm producing apples. And I'm an apple tree when I'm not. And so, you know what? God loves me, my, me as the apple tree, all the way through every season. It's not dependent on my works. It's not dependent on whether I, what I feel like or my own reasoning. Amen. I just want to say that it took me two years of hunting before I caught that fox. <laughs> Finally caught that little fox in 1992. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, babes. Sometimes it's, it's my <laughs> Okay, maybe that's a bit of a dodgy interpretation, but man, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. So I want to pick up off of what Debs is saying, and part of what I'm going to share it's it's part teaching, part testimony, and it, it's a testimony in my life because in this particular area, I, God's power to transform a person is just so phenomenal. Um, I, some of you have heard me share my testimony before, and um, this may sound really extreme to, uh, to all of you, but when I was in my teens, um, I went through this, this time, I mean, because I came from such a dysfunctional family. My parents got divorced when I was uh, 13. Um, my mom was an alcoholic. Uh, my dad lived overseas for most of, uh, most of my, uh, my childhood. Um, I experienced, you know, five different kinds of abuse uh, as a child. So by the time I hit um, my mid-teens, my head was so messed up about what love is, etc. And But there was one person in my life that I had a rock-solid relationship with, and that was my older brother, Bob. And um, we, we would sit down together, because the two of us were pretty messed up, and we would talk about the subject of love. We, we, we would theorize about it and we'd say things like you know do you love anyone and um and we we were like well what do you mean by that because we honestly did not know what it meant to love and um so we the only gauge we had we came up with our theory of what love is and we decided that if you loved someone if they died you would cry so that was my measure. And so I started trying to work out if there was anyone in my life. Um, like, and, and, you know, so it was like two teenage boys. And I can remember sitting there having the conversation and asking my brother, would you love, that was our word, would you love if mom died? I don't know. Would you love if dad died? I don't know. Would you love if I died? And, you know, it was like, yeah, sure. I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, I think so. And so that was our gauge. And I remember then, a little while after that, reading this, this article on psychopaths. And I read in this thing that psychopaths do not have the capacity to love. And I can remember reading that thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a psychopath. 
It's only a matter of time before I start hacking people to death with an axe. Um, I, I mean, I, I kid you not, I was actually afraid. I thought, I don't love anyone. I must be a psychopath. I'm going to kill people. And so that's the background I came from in terms of love. And um, I had this encounter with God. I, and then in my final year of school, I encountered Jesus. I had this radical transformation where I accepted Jesus into, uh, into my heart. And, and I started pursuing Jesus. But you, when you get born again, you don't immediately, you know, like not everything's changed immediately. And so I kept myself pretty guarded. Um, and I kept myself pretty guarded. And um, I can remember I had a couple of attempted relationships uh, after I got saved in a sense that I was, I was getting involved with a girl. But like in my teenage years, um, I would get involved. I had lots of girlfriends as a teenager, but it wasn't love. In fact, if a girl ever looked at me and said, you know, Nigel, I love you, we would break up the next day. Um, literally, I would look at them and go, well, um, it's been fun. No, 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 I'm kind of fond of you too. And I'd break up with them the next day, not just basically because I was terrified. Because I was so afraid. Because they would say the L word and I didn't know what they meant. And I don't know why, but inside of my heart, something was provoked that I felt so afraid, I just ran. And then, about two years into serving Jesus, two or three years, it was my first year at university, end of my first year at university, so three years into serving Jesus, I'd been operating on more or less the same uh, pattern. Um, I, I would, you know, be friends with girls, and, but I wouldn't get involved because I, I told them it was because I was so holy and, you know, I was just saving myself for Jesus. Um, but the reality was, if I look back now, it was just like, I was too afraid. I was too afraid. And then one day, in, I was in a Bible study with three of my good mates, and we were praying together. It was a, kind of one of those late-night prayer meetings, and we were praying. And the presence of the Lord came into the room, and the Lord came to me, and He showed me my heart. And He said to me, Nigel, I want you to trust me with your heart. And I was like, uh, yeah, I've done that. Give me my heart. Yeah, cool. Yeah, tick that box. And the Lord was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I want you to trust me to allow your heart to love. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, no, um, can we chat about this? And the Lord gave me a vision of my heart. And I saw my heart, the picture he gave me, was of my heart in a cave, just in a mountainside. And I had, I had built a wall over the, the front entrance. So my heart was hidden away in this cave, completely surrounded by stone. And I liked it like that. It was safe. No one could hurt my heart. You, it, it was safe in me. I was keeping my heart safe. And I heard the Lord say, Nigel, will you trust me with your heart? And I can remember shaking, literally physically shaking on my, on my chair. My mates were there and they were praying for me and I told them that. And, and the Lord said, just let it out. You're going to need to break down that wall and let it out. And I can remember shaking, terrified. And I said, Jesus, 
I will give you my heart. I will trust you with my heart. But Lord, and I said to him, Lord, I'm giving you just one chance. I was so afraid. Oh, and I broke down that wall in the vision and I saw my heart come out of that cave and sail up into the sky. Like a blue sky. Now that might sound like a really, who thinks that's a beautiful picture? A heart sailing in the sky. I, it was one of the most horrific things I had ever seen. I was terrified. I was like, no, don't stick it up there. Everyone can see it. Anyone can throw rocks at it or arrows or whatever. Just just put it somewhere, hide it. Put, 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 put it somewhere, you know, safe. I didn't realize that what I had done with my heart is I had placed my heart not in a safe place, but in a prison. And um, it was amazing. And I said, Lord, I trust you with that. Three months later, about, more or less, I was at this Christian party. And um, this girl walked in. Little lady dye hairstyle, wearing these dungarees, t-shirt and with man, why is she a fox? <laughs> and, and, and I kid you not, I, I suddenly realized that man, I was not, it was not that I did not have the capacity to love. I suddenly found I was an expert. <laughs> Because man, I learned to love really fast. I fell hard, fast, and irre- irrevocably. I am still falling down. But, but you know, God, God's call on our lives, the greatest purpose of your life is to love and to be loved. That's why you were created. Now turn with me in your Bible to 1 John chapter 15 verse 19. I'm going to show you some principles that the Lord shown us. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like Him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. This is an amazing passage of scripture. You see, it it tells us that we are created to live in God and God God wants to live in us. This is more than an intellectual idea. The the experience of, of your life and walking with God is meant to be more than a set of rules and regulations and, you know, don't do this, don't do that, you know. It's it's meant to be actually that you become a 
habitation, a dwelling place of God. That literally, God wants to move into your life and be present in your life. And how He does that is His love. God, God is absolutely committed to and desperate to invade your life and fill your life with His love. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, it is true. I mean, sometimes trying to, trying to love my uh, wife or hug my wife, it, it, it can be a little bit like wrestling, you know. I have, to, I have to catch her, catch that little fox and give her a hug. And, um, and, it, it, it can, and, and she always gives me this, not now, Nigel, I'm busy. And my answer is always, when aren't you? When aren't you busy? Because that's my wife. She's always doing something. She's a mom of four, uh, four kids. She's got a lot on her plate. And she's like always doing something. But if I don't do that, it's true that by the end of the day, she'll come to me and she'll ask me the question. Do you love me? Um, I think I told you 10 minutes ago. But guys, married men, I just want to tell you this. Women leak. They do. Listen, it doesn't matter how much love you pour in, they leak, you know. So listen, don't think that the I love you that you told them in the morning holds good for the rest of the day. Alright? It, it, it doesn't. Listen, you can give it to them in writing, in gold, on a chain around their neck, and it still doesn't count. 15 minutes later, they still need to hear it, see it, know. Alright? So just keep on saying it. When in doubt, you know, if she, if she looks at you and says, can I ask you a question? Just start with, yes, I love you. And then just go to the, go to the rest of the things. Alright? But, you know, the amazing thing is we also need You need to know that God's, uh, God loves you. You need to take time to stop and receive uh, God's love. You know, the amazing thing is, is this, this passage here. It says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, whoever acknowledges it, it is the word homologeo, which is, comes from homo, same, logos, same word. You need to have, oh, and it's also the, 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 the mind. You need to have the same mind in you that God has in Him. And the, the mind that God has in Him is His love towards you. We need to accord our mind with His mind by knowing, believe, and believing the love of God. That's how you become a habitation for the presence of God. You know, everywhere you go, you carry God's tangible presence. That where you go, you know, you can actually change the atmosphere of a room just by walking into it, even without saying anything, by carrying God's love into the, uh, that room. But the way you carry God's love into that room, you have to first receive God's love for you. And God's love for you is unconditional. That's amazing. Amen. So we, we need to take the time each day to receive God's love so that we might become fully and manifest the fact that we are living in God and God is living uh, in, uh, in us. What stops us 
from receiving well this passage tells us fear fear will prevent you from receiving God's love fear is the number one reason we we fail to receive love that's that's why my heart was locked up in that cave I was keeping myself safe why was I keeping myself safe was it was because growing up I'd experienced so much pain so much hurt so much rejection so much disappointment that in the end I just told myself it's not worth it and I retreated to a safe place and I said I don't need love but the reality is is that you do need love every one of us needs love we need God's love uh, firstly and we need the love of people around us and not only that but we need to let our love out of us and love other people you know there's just something joyful about allowing yourself to be a channel of God's love into other people's lives. Amen? I love this. Perfect love casts out all fear. It's only perfect love will cast out all fear. What, what love is perfect? God's love. God's love for you is absolutely perfect. That's the most amazing thing. He looks at you and in, in God's eyes, through the blood of Jesus, we are perfected. He looks at you. There is no reason God can think of not to love you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I don't know about you, but even with my wife, I can go to her and I can give her 10 reasons right now why she shouldn't love me. Thankfully, she hasn't got the, she hasn't got the memo. It's actually awesome. 32 years in and she hasn't wised up to the fact that, you know, she could have done so much better. It's amazing. But when we go to God, when we go to God, He looks at us through the blood of Jesus. And His perfect love casts out all fear. But do you know the tragedy is this? Is that fear casts out love too. It's fear is the primary reason that we don't stop long enough to be loved. And we think, you know what? Jesus, I'm coming. I just, like, like, like Lauren was actually saying, she said, Jesus, I'm coming. I, I, I know I need to, but I'm just going to go and clean some things up. I just need to fix these things. I need to, I need to go and sort out a, a couple of these things, and then I'll come. The only problem is you'll never get to the place where you've dug out or washed away all the things. Our, we can never do so many good uh, works that our conscience will always uh, be clear. That's a reality. It's only by the blood of Jesus and fully accepting His sacrifice on, uh, on the cross that all our fear can be wiped away. And we can stand in the presence of the Lord and just say, Lord, I accept your love. And you see, that picture that the Lord showed me of my heart going into the sky. You know, when my heart was in the sky, it speaks of this one word. It speaks of vulnerability. Love requires vulnerability. And I didn't want to be vulnerable. You see, even, even physical intimacy requires vulnerability. Nudity. Nakedness. It's that moment where it's like, okay, man, there's no outfit now. This is just me. This is just me. 
warts and all, but there's a reason why the most satisfying intimacy happens with nakedness. It's because now I'm fully seen, and now I'm fully known, and I'm fully loved, and fully accepted. You know, it's the same way when we come to God. When we come to God, we take away all our pretenses, our hiding, our other things, and we say, here I am. And you know the most amazing thing is, God looks, and He sees you, and He says, you're made in my image. You're fully known, you're fully seen, and you're fully loved. I love this principle as well. You see it here, it says, we love because He first loved us. See, many of us are trying to merit the love of God by loving. We try to be good Christians. I don't know, people often come up and say, oh, that guy, he's a big Christian. He's a big Christian. I, I'm not quite sure what that means, a big Christian. That, does, he, does he push weights? Does he goes to the gym often. Uh, what, what, what are we talking about? Well, that guy's a good Christian. Mm, not sure. I'm not, that's a Christian with a good Savior. Amen? That, that's all they are. Let, let's, let's just be abs- uh, absolutely honest. And you see, the thing is, what we try to do is we try to be good Christians by loving. But you know, you will not be able to love effectively until you know that you are loved. Until you know that you are loved, you, you, when, when you realize that God's love is pouring into you in, a, uh, in abundance, man, you know what? You can just be generous with love. You can love unloving people. You can love nasty people. You can, you can love anyone because you know, hey, there's more. you can toss your love around and go, hey, there's more where that came from. I, I am the millionaire, billionaire of love. Amen? And we can give, uh, give it away. Fear is the biggest block to receiving love. But there are roots of fear. For me, some of the things that, that hindered me were condemnation. I, I don't know about you, but uh, are you good at keeping track of your past failures and mistakes? I think most of us are. I can remember the things I've done wrong. And, and not only that, if I do forget them, I find the devil is brilliant at reminding me. Have you ever had a moment where you wake up in the morning and you, you went to bed happy and you wake up in the morning depressed? Does this, does this only happen to me? Okay, so you wake up in the morning and you, then you ask yourself the question, why am I depressed? And then the enemy is there. Well, it could be this. It could be this. And, he, and he, gives you, he gives you 15 different reasons why you could be depressed. And by the time you've gone through those 15, part, uh, you've, you've chosen uh, four or five really good ones, and you know. But you, you woke up with just a general sense of depression, and the devil's right there to give you specific reasons. <laughs> Does this only happen to me? It wasn't like... Man, why, why am I feeling bad about myself? Well, it could be that. Could be that. But, you know, Nigel, have you stood on the scale lately? I mean, you know, and like there's all kinds of uh, 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 different things. Do you remember? You said you were going to get back to so and so. Well, you haven't. Oh man! And you call yourself bastard. And you just, and like before, I, before I know it, I'm like, yeah. Adolf Hitler was a slightly nicer person than me. I'm telling you. 
And you know, and the enemy is there to remind you of your past, of, uh, of your past failures. How about disappointment? Disappointment, where you 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 throw your heart into a relationship and you love people, but people are fickle and life is difficult and complicated, and something goes wrong in that uh, in that relationship or in past relationship. Put up your hand if you've never had a relationship that went wrong. Because I want you to lay hands on me afterwards. Because you have got a unique anointing, let me just say. But the problem with disappointments is they can, they can color your, your next relationship. And your next relationship. And your next relationship. Until we come to the point where we just tell ourselves it's safer not to love. Failure can make us afraid. Where we fail. And we think, oh man, I'm just not worthy. Past hurts. So how do we go and catch those little foxes rooted in fear that prevent us from receiving them? Well, I'm just going to give you two things. The first thing is, you need to lean in to God's nature. The Word of God in the passage I just read says, God is love. That's an amazing scripture. It doesn't say God is loving, because that would mean that was just an attribute of God. It actually says that God is love. His whole character is love. So everything He does towards you at any moment is rooted, grounded, motivated by love. Even when God is disciplining you he's disciplining you perfectly out of love isn't that amazing I, I remember just after I got saved um, I, I went I lived in France for nine months while I was in France I really messed up my, my Christian life kind of fell off a cliff and um, and I got to this place where I was miserable because I had too much of God in me to enjoy the world but I had too much of the world in me to really enjoy God. It was a little bit like being, you know, on, you know, anyway. I, I was miserable. I can remember. And I went to the Lord one day and I just felt my life was over. I was never gonna I was never gonna amount to anything. I didn't see how I could get into university. And um, I'm moaning at the Lord. And I said, Lord, I've given you my life. I gave you my life, and now it's a mess. And I whinged at the Lord. I, I yelled at the Lord. Has anyone ever yelled at the Lord? Or was it only me? Okay, trust me. I yelled at the Lord. I mean, I was the one who was messing up. But I yelled at the Lord because I was so upset. And suddenly, I felt the Lord instruct me to open the scriptures to the book of Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 40, 45, uh, 45 verse 10, somewhere around there. I can't remember. It's, it's in Isaiah. <laughs> I yelled at the Lord and the passage starts like this. It says, Woe to him who is but a potsherd amongst the potsherds on the ground. Does he, uh, does the pot say to its maker, he has no hands? And this passage quotes some of the words of just yelled at the Lord. And I didn't even know it was in the Bible. And I read this and I realize the Lord is rebuking me. I had never, I was so happy. Because my big problem at that time was I couldn't hear the Lord. And now he was yelling at me. <laughs> and I was like, you're there, you're there, you're there. 
yelling at me with anger, but I heard his voice correcting me. And I knew he was correcting me out of love. You know, the nature of God is this. He is always loving. He is always good. So much so that we have a, we have a saying in our movement that God is always in a good mood. Do you know that? That's amazing. God's always in a good mood. He's never grumpy with you. Even when He's correcting you. Isn't that good news? I don't know, do you, do you, ever, do you ever kind of feel like, have you ever had that impression where you're going into the presence of the Lord, you're like, Jesus? Um, I kind of messed up. <laughs> and you think He's going to turn around and say, Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Look who it is. He's not like that. He's not like that. And the second thing that is forgiveness. You know, there's two things that will prevent you from receiving love. That's if you don't walk in forgiveness. You, you need to forgive yourself. For your past failures and sins. And how can, you, how, how can you forgive yourself? I'll tell you why. There's only one way. It's by taking your sins, your failures, your mistakes. And bringing them to the cross of Christ. And recognizing that Jesus has already paid the full price for your son. Forgiveness is not found in and of yourself. You can't pay the price for your sins and failures. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. If it was possible for you or for a person to forgive you of your sins, then Jesus would not have needed to die. Does that make sense? So you take your sins and you recognize and you accept the full value of the death of Jesus and forgive yourself. We all make mistakes and we all sin. So take those sins to the foot of the cross, accept the forgiveness of the Lord and, and let yourself out of prison. Amen? And then... You need to forgive others. You need to walk in forgiveness. You know, nothing so hardens you as when you start walking in unforgiveness with others. Because the Bible says, with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. How does that work? Imagine, because the measure spoken of here, that in Bible times they would have a yardstick or a measuring stick. And so they'll put it up against something to measure it. Tim, would you come here? I think you're an excellent example of this. Imagine I was measuring Tim with my measuring stick here. I put it here and I measure Tim. And I look at Tim, my measuring stick, and I go, you're not tall enough. He's not tall enough. Problem is, in saying to Tim that you're not tall enough, I'm standing next to the same yardstick. And what does that tell me about me? I'm not tall enough. 
I'm definitely not talking about just just done with it, done with it, done with it. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So you see the point then. When you walk with unforgiveness in your heart towards any other person, when you put a yardstick other than the blood of Jesus against any other person or any group of people, etc., and you hold that yardstick up and you think that you have the moral authority to hold that yardstick against someone else, the reality is the moment you hold it against someone else, you're holding it against yourself. We need to walk in forgiveness so that we too can lose our fear of being loved. Amen. You wanted to finish off with So I'm going to just ask if the band would come up because instead of going into our groups, what we're going to do, because um, we usually go into our groups for tea, but we're going to leave the groups because we just want us to have a moment to actually just receive God's love and purposefully catch some of those foxes. I just want to emphasize while they're just getting ready, you know, one of the things, what Nigel was telling about his, um, his past, no matter what your situation, how much you have loved, how successful you've been at being loved or loving people, it doesn't disqualify you of being loved now. He came from a very dysfunctional family. He didn't know what love was. But God changed things. It can always change. There's nothing that can disqualify you from a life of love. And then he was talking about forgiveness. You know, every one of us um, have been hurt at some point or the other. Being disappointed in someone at some point. Um, people aren't safe actually (laughs) because we all have our faults and at some point that person even if I can say my husband's the greatest lover I know of even he will at some time at some point hurt or disappoint me no matter what you know and but some of us have been hurt so much that you put your heart behind walls to protect you. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to experience that again. I don't want to experience that fall again. And so we protect our hearts and we say we're not going to make ourselves vulnerable again. We're not going to really, what it is, I'm not going to risk again. I want to tell you that there are millionaires, right? And a lot of millionaires have actually gone bankrupt quite a few times. Do you know that? I've read of so many millionaires who've gone bankrupt. Their greatest um, uh, uh, strength is that they are willing to risk, right? But they've fallen and lost everything. Now, they could stay in that bankruptcy, but a lot of them will go and risk it all again. And they land up being millionaires again. I can remember once telling one of my children when they were hurt. I said, you know what? You can stay where you are now because you don't want to experience the fall, you know? But you're going to continue to have nothing. You're going to be bankrupt. Your love and your relationships are going to be bankrupt until you take the risk again 
You forgive and you take the risk again to be vulnerable, to risk again and to be loved. That's for all of us here. When once I remember I'd been hurt and I spent a lot of time getting, you know, just trusting the Lord. I said, Lord, people aren't safe. And I was like, people aren't safe. I was like, I would like guarantees that people won't hurt me. And he says, you're not going to get those guarantees. You're not going to get those guarantees. There's no guarantee that someone's not going to hurt you. They, people will hurt you. But God said, but I'm going to hold your heart. Because you're going to be poor if you, in the sense of relationships. You're going to be poor if you don't risk again. If you don't love again. If you don't make yourself vulnerable again. And I said then, okay, Lord, I'm, I will make myself vulnerable again. I don't want to be poor. <laughs> you know. And this is talking about any relationship. So maybe today, let's start by saying, if you need to forgive someone, just release, release that person. Father, I forgive that person. Ask the Lord to come and fill your heart in that place with His love. So you can be rooted and established in His love again. And maybe like Nigel was saying, you're willing to just put your heart out there again, to be vulnerable again. And just say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. God wants you to be a billionaire in your relationships. Doesn't mean to say that you might not lose now and again, but you will always win with God. So maybe you need to just put your heart out there today again. Just say, I'm willing trust you. That's really what you're doing. You can't necessarily trust people to never hurt you, but you can trust God. So I put your heart out there and I say, Lord, I trust you with my heart. I'm willing to receive his love we're not going to try and reason out why we deserve to be loved we're not going to try and because we feel we're worthy to be loved it's just because God loves us we're just going to take it we're just going to receive it we're just going to allow it to fill us
Thanks for listening to the Beautiful Life podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our channel below. If you would like to keep in contact with us, you can sign up for our newsletter by emailing us at info at noordinarylife.co.za or visit our website. If you have any testimonies, please email us. We'd love to hear them. Until next time, have a blessed day.